Good morning, church. How y'all doing out there? Y'all doing good? I'm so excited you're here. It's exciting to be with you. You may be wondering where Pastor Nick and Rachel are, our campus pastors here. And uh, Pastor Nick and Rachel did uh, test positive for COVID this past week. Uh, they're doing fine, no serious complications other than uh, being fatigued and you know, head cold and those things that go with it. Um, but I can tell he's doing better because he's going stir crazy being home, you know. And uh, But he and Rachel are doing great. If you know Pastor Nick, he loves people. He loves being here. And so it's driving him crazy right now not being here. But uh, and uh, I don't know if any of you have uh, needed to uh, be uh, quarantined or under house arrest um, for 10 days with your spouse locked up. But how many of you all know after that 10 days, you need some prayer? Come on, somebody. Yeah. And... Um, but we're, we're just, I'm just excited to be here with you. He's doing good. He's going to be here next week, and he's so excited. He was texting me in between our worship times, and we were texting back and forth. And uh, so we're going to pray for him in a second. And also just want to make mention to what Kevin already brought up about uh, Hurricane Ida in the churches in Louisiana. And I know a lot of churches been to a lot of them there. Um, that are like some of them just completely destroyed. Some of them, the, the whole walls are gone and uh, they're still underwater. And I know a lot of pastors right now, they still don't have electricity or water even right now. And this has, you know, been a full seven days and it's up, you know, over 100 degrees during the day and uh, no, no gasoline to get anywhere, no water, no electricity. And I'm telling you, it can feel pretty, it can feel pretty, dim, it can feel pretty gloomy and dim inside. And so I believe, um, we're, we're going to pray right now for Pastor Nick and Rachel, but also for those churches in, um, uh, in Louisiana. And I believe we can, we can send some of our hope there in prayer today. Would you join with me in prayer even now? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to be here now. And, and God, I thank you, Father, for completely healing Pastor Nick and Rachel. Thank you for who they are. And Lennon, too, thank you for protection, for healing, God. And we thank you for that. And, and God, these churches, Lord God, and... Uh, Wow, that have just been devastated, Lord. Pastors just wondering what, what's even happening this week with no money coming in. And it looks pretty grim and pretty hopeless, God. But right now, God, by the blood covenant of Jesus Christ, we pray that the, the church is going to rise up. And the church is going to rise up higher than the waters. And the church is going to rise up and meet needs supernaturally. And the church is going to be the church and God, to you be all the glory, God. So even right now, I pray for every hopeless, helpless uh, person in these churches and in that region. And we speak life right now and hope in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for joining me in that prayer. Hey, we got a um, brand new series we're kicking off here. And it's our foundations. What we believe produces our behavior. So what do we do as a church that's really what we're focusing on. And here we are on Labor Day weekend. Now, Labor Day weekend is pre pretty much has become, I don't know about you, but it feels like the end of summer. How many of y'all can relate to that? Like you start panicking? Like I got to get as much summer in these next three days as I possibly can. How many of y'all feel that? Yeah, I got to get it in. There's a, there, there's a worrisome here. It's not the official end of summer, but it feels that way. And Labor Day can, can, can do that. Um, Labor Day, however, was initially um, designed and created in the late 1800s. And just for the record, I was not born then. Okay, that's late 1800s. And, um, and it was meant to uh, appreciate the achievement of men and women who worked. 
Like it was meant to take a day and appreciate the achievement. It was designed to be halfway, pretty much approximately halfway in between uh, July 4th and Thanksgiving. That's how, pretty much how they picked the first Monday in September. And it was meant to say, okay, let's take a, let's take a break from work. And I just first of all want to say to everybody out there that's working 40 plus hours and, and you're just, you know, doing everything you can, working and working hard and being faithful with character and integrity and honesty. And I just want to say thank you. I appreciate you. Can we just thank everybody for their hard work today? I just mean at the bottom of my heart, you're working hard and, um, in a crazy, crazy, crazy world. And my work is, is, is this, and today pretty much I'm inviting you to participate in God's work, what he's doing here at Bridge City Church, and what is the church and who is it for? And, and my work is in found in Colossians 1.28. 29. And I tell everybody, I warn everybody, I teach everybody with all wisdom that God's given me because I want to I present you bef- to God. You know, I'm going to stand before God and present you to God. Now, that's, that's a very sobering thought. You know, people say, Pastor, you, it's so nice. You get to be the pastor. You get to decide to do whatever you want to do. I'm waiting for that moment where I get to do whatever I want to do. I'm here to do what God wants to do. And, uh, and so th- that's the work that I'm about. And I strive at this work. I struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty work working within me. And there's, there, it is a struggle at times. Life is a struggle at times, no matter what kind of work you do. It really, really is. Um, there was a story told about a mom. She uh, went upstairs. She was getting everybody in her home up for church in the morning. And she went room to room and waking everybody up saying, hey, it's time for church. It's time for church. And three times she went up and nobody was getting up. Finally, um, she went in and, and said, it's time for church. And he said, I'm not going. And she said, why not? And he said, I don't like them and they don't like me. So this happened again. Came in, she'd get ready for church. I'm not going. They don't like me. I don't like them. And so this went on and on and on. And then his wife finally responded, this is why you're going to get up. I'm going to give you two good reasons why you're going to church. Number one, I'm your wife. And number two, you're the pastor. (laughs) Just a thought. There is a struggle that goes on, but I want to let you know that it's a joy. It's a joy. It's a joy. Now, I know that I irritate some people at times. It's a spiritual gift, and I'm going to get to that in just a little while. But I just want to let you know what a joy it is. So what is the church, and who is it for? At Bridge City Church, the church is this. We gather to grow. This is our mission. We gather to grow. We give and we go to make disciples all for the glory of God. I believe if we do these couple things, God's going to get glory. I believe this is how God gets glory. People say, well, how does God get glory? Well, I'm going to tell you how God gets glory. It's found in our value system. We value four basic things here at Bridge City Church. We value gathering faithfully. We value growing relationally. We value giving generously and going urgently. These are our values. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is our mission here. Somebody um, just stopped me. I had a tennis match the other day. And a man I've been talking to a lot, and, and I could tell he's been asking a lot of questions. He says, well, what kind of church is Bridge City Church? And, um, and he said, what kind of church is it? And I joked with him a couple way, things. And I said, listen, this is what kind of church. We believe that it's a 
it's a high-yield, high-return environment. As much as you're willing to yield is as much as God's willing to return. We believe in relationships. We believe that growth is important, and we believe that making disciples is a primary deal that we do. I said, I can't explain it anymore. We're not a program church. We don't do programs, but we do have a process by which people grow. I'm not here to start more programs. I'm not here to start more ideas or more ministries. Jesus gave us a ministry. It's his church. We're going to continue to do that. But these are our value system right here. So I want to launch out of Matthew 16. Matthew 16 this morning. And we're going to take a, take, take a good look at a lot, of, a lot of things in the Bible about what does it mean to gather faithfully. Today is all about gathering faithfully. Here we go. In Matthew 16, uh, Jesus just gets done asking his followers, who do people say that I am? Who do, who, who, who do, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now, verses 18 and then the first part of 19, we're going to read together. So let's, we're going to read um, 18 and 19 together. Are you ready? We're going to say this out loud. Y'all ready? Here we go. Now, There we go. Here it is. Jesus said he was going to build something. And we're here today, and we do this the first day of the week all the time. We're celebrating what Jesus is building. This is Labor Day. Jesus is, 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 is building. We're co-laboring with him. You see, church, I want you to catch this. Church was not man's idea. Church was God's idea. Church is not man-made. It's God-made. See, we need to remember this, but according to this, I want you to catch this. The church is the only organization on the planet that can destroy the works of the devil. Now, I want you to catch this. What we do is spiritual, and because Jesus gives it to us to co-labor with him, and what we're building is spiritual, it's not just social. It's not even socioeconomic. It's, it, it's spiritual that Jesus has given us something to do that is deeply, deeply spiritual. And we're the only ones, matter of fact, the only, the only ones who can stop the building of Jesus' church are in this room right now. The devil cannot stop us. No matter what the devil does, cannot stop us from accomplishing what God has given us to accomplish. Because he's given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. That means we're here to help unlock people who are locked up and bound up and captive in hell's power. No, you see, we got to catch this. Sometimes we forget what is the church and who is it for. And so, it, and so what happens is we don't have a big enough why, so how is always a too big of a problem. But what we need to realize is God has given us something very spiritual to do. That's what we're doing here. See, and, and, and belief doesn't always equal behavior in our culture, in our society. According to the Pew Research Center, the recently found this, found that 9 out of 10 Americans, people in the United States of America, 
believe that the church plays a major role in bringing people together and strengthening community bonds and also plays an important role in helping the poor and needy. 75% believe that the church protects and strengthens morality in society, but less than half attend even once a month. See, the problem is, is that sometimes belief does not equal behavior. We say we believe something, but it doesn't equal in our behavior in what we're doing. Okay? Now listen, Labor Day's here. It's a day that we, it's, it's a weekend that we're going to eat as many hamburgers and hot dogs as we can. Now, somebody, I was, it was, a couple people were letting me know this recently. They were texting me and letting me know some things. And they were, they, they, more than one person just said, I don't know if you know this or not, but for every hot dog you eat, it takes 30 minutes off your life. Now, I'm not sure how they know that. I'm not sure who did that study. I'm not really sure who did that. Now, I'm not, I'm not here to say hot dogs are good for you in any way, shape, or form, okay? But, but who, know, who really knows that? See, somebody can just post something, and everybody says, oh, that, that's a fact. That, that, we believe that. But it's not, how do you know? God knows when he's going to call us home. God knows he, that we need to number our days that we may apply our, our hearts to wisdom. Amen? Okay? Now listen, now that doesn't give you a, a right to go out and get, a, get an eight-pack of hot dogs and eat them all day either now, okay? Come on, let's, let's not do that either, okay? But what I'm trying to say is we, we have to have, like, you can say that, but then go out and eat a whole bunch of hot dogs because it doesn't matter. No, see, our, our, if you really believe something, it should equal a behavior. That's the point. And so that's what we're looking at here. So I want to share with you three points today about what does it mean to gather faithfully. Gathering faithfully. First of all, it produces engagement. It produces engagement. Here we are in Hebrews chapter 10. I want to read to you a couple verses. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. That was a good spot for an amen right there. That was a, that was a good one. Okay, how many of y'all believe that God is faithful to complete his promise? I believe God has promises. He's faithful. Come on. And let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love in good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day, everybody say the day, the day, the day of his return is drawing near. Let us not waver. I think because of everything Jesus Christ has done, because of what God has done, we were singing that song, I will remember everything God has done. Boy, I was just loving that song as we were singing. I'm remembering everything that God has done for me. God has been really good to me. How about you? I'm not saying I have a perfect life. I'm not saying it's always been great and wonderful. But I'm just telling you this, God, God is good. He's a good God. Even when my life isn't so good, God's still good. And I have a, I have a good life. Let me, just, let me just tell you that. So let's look at a couple of these key words found in this text. And one of the key words here is motivate, stir, provoke. It means irritation, angry, dispute, incitement to the point that you must respond. 
How many of you, when you hear that, you automatically think of somebody who has the gift of motivation and they irritate you? Some people have this motivational gift. They just irritate people all on their own. Here we see that that's a motivational gift. Listen, we need to be irritated to the point that we respond. And we need relationships and we gather together so that we have engagement so there's a motivation to respond to something. Now, I don't know about you, but like over the past year, 16, 18 months, whenever a lot of churches stopped meeting, and, you know, it just got to be, it just wasn't important, uh, it just was, it got, got kind of a secondary thought, you know, in the process. How many of you know somebody that got weird during that time? That's because left to yourself, you're weird. Don't look around, just, just focus on me right now. No, I'm saying when you're left in isolation and loneliness, you, you get weird. You get consumed with yourself. See, when we're together gathering faithfully, it produces an engagement to keep you from getting weird and self-consumed. Because I'm just like you, left to myself. I'm telling you, I am full of myself. I'm full of me. I'm full of my own thoughts. And sometimes my thoughts go crazy places. And that's why we need one another. We need, we need this. See, pressure reveals who you really are. And I believe that, 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 that COVID revealed where we really were as a church. It revealed what was already in there. It didn't make us into it. It revealed it. But I believe that Jesus' church was created for pressure. I believe that Jesus' church functions better under pressure. I really do. You read the book of Acts. Every time there was pressure and persecution, it grew. But the problem is, is we're not seeing a real enemy. See, I, I remember, you know, 20 years ago when um, 9-11 happened. Now, how many of you remember where you were that day? That, that, I mean, I remember where I was. I remember what happened. And I remember the, the three weeks following that September 11th, churches in attendance went to an all-time high. Oh, it was full. Church, the people ran to God. Do you know what's interesting? Statistically, after the third week, church attendance plummeted to an all-time low. Listen to me, it, did, it plummeted. Why? Because everything, the government's going to take care of everything. Everything's going to be okay. They just forgot. See, people run to God when there's a problem, and they run away when it's not. But the problem is, is because we're not identifying a real enemy that wants to destroy us. Now, I've never been in the military, never claimed to, but I know this. The most dangerous soldiers on the planet are ones who have been trained but don't have a war to fight. Because there's no, they've been trained and equipped, but there's no enemy. There's no way to release. There's nobody to go after. I know enough to know that. The problem is in the church, we have bought in that there's no fight and there's no enemy. And we've bought into the, to the ideas that, that there's this, you know, it's socioeconomic and it's racial and it's political and it's all these things. When it's not, we have a real enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy and keep people from re- realizing their full potential. And the church is the only organization that can do this and cause people and motivate people to realize their full potential in Christ. Do you realize what we're doing here is spiritual? 
It's a very, very spiritual thing. And we're to encourage one another, close up and personal. That means we need to be close up and personal. Something happens when you're in the room. Now listen, we do online, and I'm very appreciative of being able to do that for people who can't make it. I get that, not faulting it. But how many of you know what we experienced this morning in worship? Something happens when you're in the room. Something happens when you're there. You know, something happens. You know, I, we took a, some of our family down to Rib Fest yesterday. Now, I can know about Rib Fest and know it's happening, but I'm telling you, when you show up and start eating ribs and chicken, something happens. Are you with me? It's something about being there. It's something about you, 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 you're, you're experiencing something together. That's what's so important. That's what we're realizing here. you got to be in the room. But here, the day. Let's go back to those verses in, Hebrew, in Hebrews 10. The day. How many of y'all remember back in the day? How many of you ever used that term? I remember back in. Right? I remember the way we used to worship back in. Yeah, I remember when we used to, you know, you know, gas was only a dollar fifty a gallon back in the day, right? Yeah, yeah. Now I want to just, you know, I'm a, I'm a little older now. I'm very appreciative of back in the day. As a matter of fact, I'm at the age now where I can start telling the same story over and over, and I kind of like it. Come on, I kind of like doing that. Come on. But this isn't talking about back in the day. This is talking about a future day. A future day that we will all stand before God and give an account for our lives. I am going to stand and give an account for your life, Hebrews 13. I'm going to stand and give an account for what happened at Bridge City Church. I will. Okay? 1 Corinthians 3. The day will reveal how you built. Jesus is building. The day will reveal. Persecution will reveal. Storms reveal what it's made of. But I'm inviting you because I believe that when we're co-laboring together right here, we all have a responsibility that we are going to stand before God and give an account for what we did with his church that he's building. I believe that. Now, now, now listen to me. If you, if, you're, uh, if you sell cars or sell homes, you're not going to give an account for how many homes you sold. If you work in a factory, you're not going to give an account for how many things you produced in the factory. You're not going to give an account for those things. What we're going to give an account to is what we, how we helped build Jesus' church and expand his kingdom. See, I, this is why this is important. This is why, wait a minute, if I'm going to stand before God and give an account for something, I want to know about it. How about you? And so this is an invitation that we're all going to stand and give an account, and we need, to, we need a healthy dose of this. This is why it's so important. But in this text, it's not talking about just showing up. It's talking about engagement. It's, it's not saying just, just attend. It's saying, no, let's be involved. Let's be committed. Let's participate here. That's what we forget. That's what we forget so much. Now, in the United States of America, the, the average person, if they attend church two out of every five or one out of every four weeks, they consider themselves a faithful member. Let me ask you a question. Would that same mindset be good enough in any other situation? No, really, would it? 
Like if you, I want you, I want you next time you get a job offer, say, hey, this is the deal. I know you're asking for five days. I'm going to give you two. How do you think that would work? Does it work in any other aspect of life? See, if, if you floss your teeth once every two, three weeks, you don't regularly floss your teeth. Just a thought. Do you, come on, how many of y'all, like you go to the dentist and they say, do you floss? And you immediately think of what's the standard? Come on, tell me the truth. Shame the devil. Come on, you automatically think, well, well like, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, like, it, it's been weeks. You can't even remember the last time you flossed. Am I right? Come on. But you say kind of, mm-hmm. But the problem is you know you're going to have to open your mouth, and they're going to look in there, and they're going to know you're lying. Because accountability happens. As soon as you open your mouth, you're praying to God. Oh, God, somehow clean it all out in between there. You're, you're praying for a miracle at that point. Right? But it doesn't work in any aspect. How, how about this? How about Little League or softball or soccer or football or cheerleading? If you went to the coach and said, here it is, coach. I know you want this many days. I tell you what. We're only going to come when it's convenient. We're going to come if it's good. Sometimes we stay up late. We have, a, you know, we do a lot of things the night before. If so, we're not going to make those games. It, is, that, is that good in any other aspect of life? It's not. Now, years ago, when I was a, a, a little league coach for my sons, here's, here's the rule book. And my wife said to me in between worship services, she said, that baseball book's 2006. I said, yeah, but it's my book. I, this is mine. And she looked at me and she goes, you're old. She said that to me. That sweet lady. She just looked at me and said, you're old. That sweet, innocent lady on the front. She said, you're old. And I said, yeah, you're right. This is my book. This is 2006 right here. And they gave me this book. And immediately when they gave me this book, I was bound by everything in it. There were rules in that book, just like there's rules in your Bible that you don't know everything, but when you become a part of his kingdom and his church, you're bound by all the rules. Matter of fact, there were rules I didn't know existed. I didn't know that if a player leans over the plate and gets hit by a pitch, it's still a strike. I didn't know that. I had to look that up. Not only that, they gave me this trusty little card. Here's my, here's my card. Baseball Association. This card, this membership card, allowed me to be on the field. Without this card, you're not allowed on the field. You're just a spectator up until the point you have this card. See, when I went to, when I got this card, when I got this card, that was cool. I like that. It's all good. Don't worry about the thing. And um, I got this card. I got to go onto the field. I got to participate. Now, I'm going to let you know, when they handed me the schedule, nobody ever asked me if the schedule was convenient for me. Not once did they say, is this okay with you? Never once in all the years I've been involved in baseball, in dance, in football, in all these things with my kids, never once did they ever hand me a schedule and say, would you pray about it? Never once they say, would you just pray about this? Pray about this. Just pray. just pray and ask Jesus what he wants. No, they handed you the schedule, and you either had to do it or not. But that's okay in every other aspect of life except for Jesus' church. 
The only time it's okay is with Jesus' church, we can choose. Now, I know many of you are saying, I'm so glad I'm here today. Pastor, you're preaching to the choir. No, I'm trying to make sure that we have a value, that we value one another, that we value God, that we value the gathering faithfully because it produces an engagement that we can't get on our own. See, in the Bible, there's, there's no concept of a biblical concept or way that we can actually say you were a part and not be a part. You see, we've lost our distinctive in culture and society. In culture and society, many churches, they're trying to fit into culture rather than distinctly stand out. And the more you try to fit in, the less you lose your distinctiveness and you lose what really is, matters and we lose who we are. That's really the issue here. Do you know what we're suffering from? We're suffering from weapons of mass distraction. I'm telling you, there is a, there is a, there is a distraction. And many of you just right now said, what? Yeah, we're distracted. Even here we're distracted. We're distracted for many, many different reasons and ways. But, but because what we're talking about is countercultural. But in the early church, gathering together faithfully was a priority. It was a major priority in Acts 20, verse 7. They got together on the first day of the week. They did communion. They remembered God. We still get together 2,000 years later on the first day of the week. On the first day of the week. You know, I'm, I'm going to make a statement and... Um, and I said this publicly before in some of our other locations, and I'm just going to let you know. I'm telling you this. If, if, if for some reason somebody tries to shut us down as a church, I'm telling you what, I will go in the woods and build a fire, and we're going to have church. I'm just telling you, like, like, because I value gathering together. I value what happens when we're here. I value that. That's not a rebellion value. That's a God-honoring value. Are you with me? How many of y'all would be there? At least one week. How many of y'all might go too if it's not too cold? Thank you very much for your honesty. Very good. Yeah. I said that in the middle of winter, and everybody's like, yeah. And I said, how many of y'all want to do that? Huh. I'm not sure what you mean by that. But in Acts, in, in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, they put their money, they, and this is why we remember giving when we're together, because on the first day of the week, they gave an offering of what they earned. This is the priority of the early church, and we're continuing that right now. Are you, are you good? See, I want you to see that this is biblical, not just a good man, a man idea. That's what's so important here. In Acts 2.46, they got together again in temple and in homes, and, 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 they, and, they, and they did it with joy, and they shared their meals. In James 2, it gave instructions for when you're together. This is what you need to do. But we need to be fully engaged. Now, in, in the front row over here is my wife, Natalie. And 32 years ago, this past March, I asked her to marry me. As a matter of fact, I asked her specifically if she's not doing anything for the next 50, 60, 70, 80 years, if she'd mind very much being with me. That was my exact words. 
And she said yes. And then I gave her this ring. This is the ring I gave her right here. I, I, she put this, on, she put, this, put this on her finger. And when she said yes to that engagement, she became off limits to everybody else. She was spoken for. As a matter of fact, if you messed with her, you messed with me. How many ladies out there say that's a good idea? No, seriously. Like, see, so we got fully engaged. I mean, she put this on. It's like, nah. She, she was no longer available to flirt with anybody else. I'm not saying she ever did, but nobody else was allowed to flirt with her. She was completely, we were, we were committed. I was just as committed. This was it. No more. This is our covenant. This is our relationship. This is our engagement. As a matter of fact, from March 3rd, a couple minutes after 9, when she said yes, until October 14th, almost every single day we had a conversation. Guess what we talked about? The wedding day. Have any of you ever been engaged? You're looking at me like, wow, this is so amazing. It's like, no, seriously, do you remember being engaged? Some, I know some of you is a long time ago. Okay, just go, bear with me. Come on, but I'm serious. How many of you know you talk about that all the time? You talk about how many people are going to be there. You talk about what kind of food you're going to have, what kind of music, what kind of celebration. Am I right? Everything is focused to that day. Everything. You, you, you see, in many of us, we say we're engaged with God, but we're flirting around with other things. We say we're engaged to God. I'm fully engaged, but it only takes a little bit of distraction, and you can do whatever. You can flirt around with the world all you want because it's okay. But I want to tell you, when you're fully engaged with God, He dictates that. You know, listen, I brought up Little League. I brought up uh, all these things. Only one time would I say, I'm not going to be there when it comes to sporting events. I'm not going to do Sunday mornings. Well, you're a pastor. No, our family has a value. We have a value. You get your values from your family and from your church. That's the two primary ways we get our value system. This is what we value together. And I had coaches yell at me, well, you have a game at 12 o'clock. I said, well, I'll be there too. If you want to play it too, my team will be there too. And you can't do that. That's what we're going to do. Be at 12, be by yourself, have a good practice. I'm good. That's the only time I, I made a fuss because why? I was fully engaged. I wasn't going to flirt around with something else. I, I had a value system that was much more powerful than, than that. Are, see, are you with me? Yes. See, the same way that we say we're engaged with God, Jesus is the bridegroom, and he wants, uh, he, he wants us to be fully committed to him because, I don't know if you know this, when we go to heaven at the end of all time, there's going to be a wedding feast. And everything we're doing here is about preparing for so we're fully engaged, talking about, preparing, making sure that when we stand before God, we're ready to give an account because we're all going to be accountable. 
So when I say fully engaged, I mean fully engaged. Because and too many people are dating the church rather than being engaged with the church. Yeah, too many people are just, I'm, they, they, they're, they're, they're dating. And I'm inviting some of you today to stop dating Jesus' church and become fully engaged, fully committed, because it results in the end of time, a marriage celebration, when we all get to be in heaven. Come on. Are you looking forward to that? You can put that back on, baby. Thank you. See, that's what it means to be fully engaged. Number two here, gathering faithfully for equipping of the saints for ministry and mission. There's an equipping. Now, I want you to know, first of all, the, that term saints, plural, is, saint is always used plural in the Bible. I want you to catch this. Saint is never used individual because I believe, in, according to us in this room right now, who are followers of Jesus Christ, how many of you are followers of Jesus? We're saints. We're set apart. And to do that, it takes a plural, not an individual. We need one another to be saints, plural, to be set apart. Matter of fact, when I'm all by myself, I don't have a problem. I'm good. But when I get around people and get irritated and motivated and encouraged and remember that we're accountable, I'm at my best. So we gather together here, and this is what's so important, Ephesians 4. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers. People come to me, say all the time, Pastor, what do you think you are, a gift from God? (laughs) Say, yes, I am. (laughs) Glad you asked right there. (laughs) Yes, I am. Yeah, I even have a chapter and verse to prove it right there. Yeah. They're gifts. Why? Because the responsibility is to equip God's people to do his. That's right. My job is to irritate you so you can do work. Who's supposed to be doing the work? Essence. Y'all. We. Yins. Y'all good? Yeah, see, we're all getting equipped here. And so Pastor Nick's job and my job is to get you to, do, to, to, to serve and work together. Listen, I just want you to know, next week, we're going to have connection group sign up, small group sign up. This is a big deal here at Bridge City Church. It is every, every uh, February, every September. I want you to get you into a group. I do. Pastor Nick can't care for you. He can't care for every one of you. He can't do it. I can't do it. But we have group leaders who have been trained and equipped and are anointed and appointed, and they can, and they can help you grow. So I, I want to get you into a group. So come next week. You get you signed up. There, there's a list of them outside there, and there's a, another list, a connection point. And you get over there and say, I'm going to get into a group. And sometimes you're going to be the irritator, and sometimes you're going to be the irritatee. Are you there? But we're going to figure it out together. But we're going to walk together. My wife and I have been, and it's going to be 32 years this October we've been walking together. And, and, and every now and then, it's very, very rare that I irritate her. Very rare. Very rare. But how many of y'all know it, it, it happens? Yeah, thank you. 
But you know what? We have covenant relationship. We're going to walk together. We're, 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 we're going to do this together. That's what covenant relationship is. We're not dating. We're, we're fully committed. We're in at this point. Are you with me? Do you realize when what you hear this morning, you're going to remember about 20% of it. You'll probably remember a couple things, maybe a story, maybe a stat, maybe something. But if you can discuss it out loud with somebody, you go from 20 to, to 70%. So if you want the Word of God to make more, more sense in your life, if you want to take it from 20 to 70%, just discuss it with somebody else. Watch what happens. Next steps. I'm inviting some of you right here to take your next step with God. To become an active and a growing part of the church. Saying, you know what? I'm going to settle the issue. I'm going to settle the issue that we have a value of gathering together. I'm going to settle the issue. Put me on a team. You go over to Connection Point and say, if you don't find me a team to serve on, I'm going to find another church. We will find you a team to serve on in Jesus' name. No, I'm serious. You see, that's, that's, it's natural to do that. I want to serve. And I know some of you, oh, I've been in churches, and you have to serve every week. I didn't say to serve every week, but you gotta, you gotta, we're all committed. We have equal commitment. At Bridge City Church, we're equally sacrificed. We're equally committed. Are you good? Last one, gathering faithfully expands the kingdom of God. That's right. It expands the kingdom. The result of our lives is distinctly to benefit those who are not a part of the church yet. That's why we exist. They gathered in the temple. They gathered in homes. And, and they were giving of their lives generously in Acts 2, 46, 47. And all the while, people saw it, and they wanted to be a part of it. See, that's our distinctiveness. People want to be a part of it. So how are we going to do this? Acts 9, 31. This is how we do it. I gave you what we're going to do. We're going to, we, we're going to, it produces engagement. It provides equipping, and it promotes expansion. That's what we do. This is how we're going to do it. And here we find in Acts 9.31, the church then had peace throughout White Oak, Murraysville, North Braddock, and Brighton Heights. And it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. Wow, encouragement of the Holy Spirit. And it grew in numbers. Let me give you a definition for the fear of the Lord. Most simple definition I could give you. This is my definition, simplest one I can give. You love what God loves. You hate what he hates. And you come to the realization you're going to stand before God and give an account. That's the simplest definition. You love what God loves. You hate what he hates. And you realize you're going to stand before God and give an account for your life and what you did in helping Jesus build his church and expand his kingdom. That's the simplest. So how are we going to do it with the fear of God and with encouragement of the Holy Spirit? And God's going to grow it. So I'm asking you today, what are you going to do? Many people here, I know it's like, okay, I'm, I'm done dating. I'm going to become engaged. I'm going to become committed. I'm going to do it. I'm gonna, please do, jump in. Let's do this deal. Y'all with me? Some, it's like, okay, I just need to reevaluate my commitment. Do I really believe in this value? Some, 
maybe you don't have a date or a time or a moment when you became fully committed to God the Father. When my wife gave me this ring, on the inside, it's inscribed, love you bunches, 10, 14, 89. Still wearing the same ring. It's inscribed. It's a commitment. I'm a one-woman man. That's it. And when I receive the covenant and commitment from God the Father, I'm fully committed to Him now. His rule book goes. He decides. I want to ask you a serious question. Do you have a moment or a date or a time that God has inscribed His date on your heart, on your life? When you became a follower of Jesus Christ, where Jesus Christ has become the forgiver of your past and the leader to your future. That's the most awesome, best thing I could ever in my life offer you. It's the best. Just a moment, I'm going to offer you that moment, that in time. But before I do that, let me just pray for anybody here today. If there's anything I said, anything I communicated that kind of moved on your heart a little bit, you felt a little challenged, and you say, you know, I need to respond today. I don't know what that is. But if that's you today, could you just raise your hand? I'm going to pray for you today. If anything at all today was challenging, encouraging, just slip up your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Just lift up your hand. Say amen. Something hit your heart. Something touched your heart. Something moved on you. Just lift up your hand. I'm just going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every hand up right now, Lord God. God, I thank you, Father, for you moving on hearts today. You moving on lives today. You moving people closer to be like you today as we gather people into the family of God. Thank you for the encouragement of the Holy Spirit over every hand that's up, every hand, to move forward in what you're asking them to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can put your hands down. Now I want to ask you another question. If you're here today and you don't have a date or a time inscribed on your heart, I want to offer you today to be yours. Jesus Christ, be the forgiver of my past. Now be the leader into my future so that I can enjoy a a life with you right here. So if you're here today and you feel that tugging on your heart, I'm just going to ask you to do something really simple but really bold. Just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I'd like that today. Is there anybody here today that you're just saying, Oh, that needs to be me today. I need to have today as my day. Anybody, thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else today here today? Anybody? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you. I see that. Very good. Thank you. Anybody else today? Anybody else? Thank you, Father. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those hands that went up, and I pray a blessing right now upon them. I pray, Lord God, that as they go from go from death to life. Lord God, they would find the life that you designed for them and created for them. Inscribe this date on their hearts, Lord God, that they may be totally and fully committed to you, God. Thank you, Father, for each of these people in Jesus' name. Now, if you're here today and you are... Uh, 
You say, boy, I, I didn't respond, but I'd like to. You can still do that at the connection point on the connection card, checking off. I want Jesus Christ to be the forgiver of my past and leader of my future. I really, really love each and every one of you. It's such a privilege to be here today. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Sometimes, you know, it's the biggest part of the battle is just showing up. You did it. Thank you. I love you. I appreciate you. I get to lead you in communion today. On the way in, you should have received a cracker and a juice. And if you didn't, if you just raise your hand right where you are, the ushers are going to come around and they're going to they're going to fix you up. Just crackers and a, and a juice. And a lot of people say, Pastor, why do why do you use crackers and why do you use this? And what we're trying to model, keep your hands up there. Is you can do this at home. You can do this in small groups. You don't have to have special bread, but you have to have a moment where you remember Jesus. You got to have a moment where everything stops and you remember him. So on the first day of the week, we're going to remember Jesus today. And once everybody gets theirs, thanks. We got one more over here. Thank you so much. You guys are doing a great job. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. If you'd stand to your feet with me, we're just going to stand in honor to God. First of all, I want you just to take, you don't have to take the whole entire two crackers. You can just take a piece. Matter of fact, just break a piece off. This is not the actual body of Christ. This represents him. We're just simply remembering him today. And in just this moment, we're going to remember Jesus Christ. What he did, his body was broken for you and for me. So we're just going to very simply just take a moment. Jesus, we're here to remember you. This is all about you. Jesus, you're, you're, it's, it's all about you, Jesus, not about us. So we remember what you did, Jesus Christ. So let's together, church, let's partake and remember him. very carefully if you could open that little cup we remember this is our common union communion this is our common union we have all have a common union right here the blood of Jesus and what he did for you and what he did for me this puts it all equal right there amen so we're remembering what Jesus Christ did on the cross for, for you, for me. So as we remember him, remember his goodness, let's thank him for the blood of Jesus Christ together. Now together, we're going to worship the Lord and sing what a beautiful, wonderful, powerful name in his church. Let's worship Jesus together.